Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential, and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very special episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I'm your host, Mindy Harley, and I have with me the Honorable Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada. Maxime, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Mindy. I'm very pleased to be with you. That will be fun like the last time. So it's always uh, my pleasure to do that with you. Thank you so much. You know, I just want to I just want to get this out of the way for my audience and even for you, you know, growing up. I was in a home divided on two paths. My dad was very much involved with politics. You know, we helped the conservatives fundraise. And my mom was on the other end of the spectrum. She raised me that the government doesn't look after you. You look after yourself. And she didn't vote for her entire life, with the exception of last year. And she voted for you. <laughs> and, you know, I've, uh, I've, always, I've always thought, you know, you can't trust a politician as far as you can throw them. I never really paid that much attention to politics, but boy, did I have an eye opening come 2020. And you caught my attention specifically in early 2020 when I had shared a meme on Twitter of the founding fathers uh, saying, you know, give me liberty or give me death, unless it's a disease with, you know, 99.999% chance of survival. And you caught my attention. And I thought, you know, who is this man? And wow, um, you know, he's definitely really brave to be retweeting such a very strong opinionated meme as well. And I looked and, you know, you caught my attention. Uh, You've been on the battleground, so to speak, from day one, because I was on the battleground, so to speak, from day one. And I I saw you RT that. And from, from that time, I've always followed your progress. Now, myself, I know a bit about your history and how you started, but for my listeners, can you just tell us a little bit about how you came to be, how the PPC came to be, and what was your initial start um, leading the PPC? Yes, as you may know, you know, I was a candidate for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada in 2017. I didn't win with 49% of the vote. And I tried uh, for uh, 13 months to influence the establishment of the Conservative Party of Canada and at that time the leader Andrew Scheer to take some of our ideas because they were very popular. And uh, Andrew Scheer was very honest with me after 13 months and he said, Maxime, for the next platform of the Conservative Party of Canada, for the next general election that will happen in 2019 and happen in 2019, we won't take any of your ideas because they are not popular, so we won't run on it. And that's why I left the Conservative Party of Canada and I said that party, the Conservative, is intellectually and morally corrupt because they're not doing politics based on conviction and ideas and conservative ideas, but based on survey and polling. And by having the name conservative as a political party, when they are speaking like the leftists, 
and, and the woke, they are giving credibility to that narrative. So they are not helping uh, to grow our movement as the conservative movement or the movement of freedom. So uh, I was very pleased and I believe that it was the best political decision that I took to create the PPC in 2018. And we, um, we are doing politics differently and that's not a slogan because we created that party based on four principles, individual freedom, personal responsibility, respect and fairness and all our policies are in line with these principles. So just to be short on that, at the, the first campaign that we did in 2019, we uh, did run on a very strong freedom platform. And in 2021, the last election, that was the same platform. And that will be the same platform at the next election until we win the battle of ideas. And we are in a kind of a war right now. I will call that a cultural war. Uh, because wokeism is everywhere. And, uh, you know, if we're speaking about something that is not popular, it's not important for us. We know that when we speak about Western civilization values and freedom values, it will become popular if we speak openly with passion and conviction. And actually, I think we were right because we started the party at 0%, first election 1.6%, and the last election, 5%. So we will grow and we will win that battle of ideas. But I don't know when, but step by step will be there. Yeah, and you guys have had incredible growth. And, you know, with the direction uh, of things right now in Canada and the world, um, I really see that, you know, you guys are only going to keep growing. And with that being said, you know, there's there's now we, we see, um, you know, Pierre uh, Polivier. And just to note, I, I am a Canadian that uh, lives in the United States. And so I've been watching everything, um, you know, down here and trying to keep up with things as much as possible. And it's, you know, it's interesting to me because, like I said, I saw you from the very beginning of, you know, right at the beginning of 2020. And now we have, you know, a conservative that's coming on board, kind of generally sharing the same sentiments, it seems like, in as the PPC. But to me, you know, and I, I got criticism for this, and, it, and it's okay, because I believe that, you know, politicians should be held you know, under a microscope and should be held to a higher level of scrutiny. And I, I really just kind of saw someone that was only speaking because now it was, you know, an, an opportune time to, to do that. And hearing kind of the tones and levels of, of Canadians with wanting their freedoms and wanting their freedom of speech and wanting their right to travel. And for me, you know, there's been a little bit of controversy with Pierre, with his involvement with the WEF. And I've heard the same sentiment in regards to your past involvement with the WEF. And I've heard from many people, but I, I want to hear, and I, and I kind of know and I have an idea, but I want to hear, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, as to what was your involvement with the WEF um, years ago? Okay, before answering the question, I just want to answer the other part of the question about Pierre Poliev. You're Is right it? that, you know, you're right when you said, you know, now it's popular to speak about freedom. And is doing that. So that's why, uh, you know, what Pierre Polyev is saying today, uh, that may be the opposite if he's the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. And for them, their only goal, goal is to be in government and to be able to win. They will have, they will need to have seats in the GTA around Toronto. There's more seats there than in all Alberta. 
And so that's why, you know, they will go back to the left when the time will come. And speaking about freedom, Pierre Polyev also lied to Canadians when he said, I was there for you uh, at the, since the beginning. And for him, the beginning of the pandemic was uh, the beginning to be for freedom and against the mandates was when the federal government imposed uh, mandates and that was in August, 2021. But in August, 2021, Justin Trudeau said he will impose a vaccine passport for civil servants working for the federal government and also for Canadians to be able to travel across the country. So when he did that announcement, uh, uh, seven members of parliament, conservative members of parliament, uh, stood up and said, and said that, no, we don't agree with that, and we must not go on that road. These people were part of the shadow cabinet with Aaron O'Toole. They were critics in the shadow cabinet of O'Toole, but O'Toole did a shuffle in November, November 9, 2021, and all these uh, uh, MPs, conservative MPs, critics, lost their jobs because they were speaking against the mandate. Pierre Polyev didn't say anything against the mandate at that time and received a promotion from his boss and he went back to be the critics of the finance minister. So mm. he started to speak. He started to speak uh, against the, the mandates and for freedom the last week of January when, you know, the freedom convoy were there in Ottawa the last week. So he, he is an opportunist politician and he wasn't there in the beginning in March 2020. I was there because it's part of our principles to fight for freedom. And in August 2021, he was not there to say that he does not agree with the, the, the decision of the Trudeau government. He was silent until the end of January. So that's about Pierre Polyev. About me being with the World Economic Forum. Yes, you're right. I was there in 2008. They had a conference in Davos in 2008. And at that time, I was the foreign affairs minister for the federal government, for the Canadian government. And at that time, the Canadian government and Canada, uh, we were in war in Afghanistan. And as you know, our Canadian forces didn't have the right equipment at that time and still <laughs> doesn't have the right equipment right now. So. So I was there to meet other uh, foreign affairs ministers, my counterparts, because they were all there for that meeting, that uh, World Economic Forum. And my goal, I was there two days, was to speak with them and asking them to help us in Afghanistan. I had a lot of meetings with foreign affairs ministers at the same time there. It was very efficient for me. I just did one trip and I was able to meet all these European uh, and other uh, counterparts. And after this meeting, I left Davos, so I never assisted at that conference. And that people are saying, you know, because I was in Davos, Davos, I, I'm with the World Economic Forum. No, I'm not part of that. I've never been part of that. I was just there for business and to be more efficient, to save money for Canadians and taxpayers. By one trip, I was able to have 15 meetings with the uh, Foreign Affairs Minister. So that's why some people are saying Bernie was, was in Davos uh, in 2008. That's right. But I was not at the World Economic Forum uh, conference. So that being said, the World Economic uh, Forum conference, 
uh, is a, a, you know, a kind of a socialist uh, organization and they are promoting a, a world government that I don't believe in. I'm promoting Canada and Canadian sovereignty. And you know, we don't want to have to deal with another uh, supranational uh, government that will tell us what to do here in Canada. Yes, yes. Um, well, that's great to hear because, you know, like I said, I've I've heard it myself. And like I said, I've e even, you know, seen the scrutiny that Pierre has gotten and many, many cabinet leaders, uh, anyone even here in the in the United States, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, Gubbard was part of the WEF, um, many other people, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, young leaders, as we've seen before with uh, all these organizations and you know, with going there in 2008 and the WEF, you know, I, Klaus Schwab had started that in 1970 and it was originally called the European uh, Management uh, Symposium. And, you know, Klaus, you know, himself was taught by uh, Henry Kissinger in Harvard. And this organization that he, he built up, you know, there was other ones that spawned off of it, the Club of Rome, from 1968 that were obsessed with eugenics and world uh, world depopulation. And they were obsessed with reducing the population, but they had to get behind this idea. They had to have a common enemy to put the idea through, so to speak. And that was you know, the uh, pollution and ultimately humanity because humanity is responsible for the pollution. And we've had, you know, that that organization was founded at the Rockefellers. So we have the Rockefellers. We have these shadow societies. And even as I'm here, I'm in the States and I have to learn my American history before I go for my citizenship. And I'm learning, you know, how all the founding fathers were actually uh, Masons. And, you know, Benjamin Franklin was a member of the Hellcat Society. Was there any point in your mind when you walked in there in, in 2008, did you have an inkling of kind of the the plans or where they were kind of steering things to, or did you kind of have an epiphany moment sometime in 2020 where you went, holy, you know, this is going, this is really headed towards, you know, they want transhumanism, they want the one world government, something's fishy. Did you have that aha moment back then or did it spawn on you later? At that time in 2008, uh, the discussion uh, that they had, when I'm saying they, you know, the World Economic Forum and the UN and all these discussion uh, were about, you know, uh, harmonization. And so trying to have governments having the same kind of uh, rules and regulation and, and to try to implement uh, in the beginning a kind of a world government, but that was not so clear that it is right now. Uh, I'll give you an example. People are saying, you know, oh, Bernier, you know, uh, when you're speaking about that, it's a conspiracy theory. Uh, there's no world government and the federal government is 100% uh, sovereign and we are dec deciding here what we want. And it's the same thing for other countries. Yes and no. Uh, because I'll give you the, the best example is the European Union. When they started that in Europe in, in the 1960s, that was only for free trade. And I'm for, for free trade. I'm for globalization. I'm against globalism, but I'm for global, uh, globalization, more free trades. It uh, always, bring more, um, always brings more prosperity. So that being said, that was the beginning of the... Uh, 
uh, of the European Union. At that time, they were calling that the free trade agreement. And uh, and after that, the, so that was the beginning. But now what you have in Europe, you have a real supranational government that is dictating other governments what to do. And so, and, and their rules and regulation are, are enforced in other countries. So that being said, I understand what happened in UK when they decided to go out and voted for Brexit. So that's an example in Europe. They started that by free trade. And after that, they had a couple of years after that, uh, decades after that, they have right now a supranational government. The UN and the World Economic Forum, that's their end goal. They want to do that. Now it's only treaties and free trade, but uh, they have that vision and they are speaking about that vision. I don't agree with that. I think we must do, yes, some treaties about free trade, but not giving our sovereignty. And in Canada right now, we signed the, the, the Paris Accord. We signed the UN Compact on global, on the um, migration, UN Compact on migration. I'm against that. We must not sign that. We must be in charge of our immigration policy in Canada. And, uh, and, you know, for climate change, you know, our position, we won't sign that treaty. We won't impose any tax in our country for that. But that being said, now it's more open. They're not, they're speaking about that. And they think that it would be best for, for, for the globe, for, for the planet to have a one world government. Uh, it may happen in 20 years, in 15 years, in 40 years. I don't know. But we must fight that ideology, and that's what we are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting how it's been able to to move forward in in that respect. And just even recently, there was a lot of um, information going out about the People's Treaty and the Pandemic Treaty. Now, the People's Treaty, of course, fighting the Pandemic Treaty, and a lot of people were saying the same thing too about the pandemic treaty. And, you know, this was something that, you know, I think 136 uh, nations had signed on to uh, prior before in 2005 with the IHR, which of course gave, you know, the, the who, the, the rights to say, you know, this is why, this is how, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to follow. And why all of these countries basically had the same rules for lockdowns. And what was interesting is that people didn't really understand that this is part of that globalization where now it's they decide that if they're going to follow the same rules as Australia, that's going to apply to, you know, here in Nebraska, that's going to apply to, you know, in Saskatchewan, that's going to apply to every corner of the earth that essentially signs on with this. What was it? What were your thoughts on the pandemic treaty that they were trying to push through as well? Yeah, you're right by saying they want to uh, update that treaty and they are in negotiation right now. And uh, the final treaty must be only in 2024. Uh, but that being said, we don't need that. Uh, you know, uh, actually the pandemic that we had, uh, that was uh, every, like you just said, every country were following uh, the uh, World Health Organization. And that's why, you know, we, uh, we didn't respect our constitution here in Canada our freedoms and our rights, our constitutional rights. And, you know, I believe that uh, the, the pandemic, we don't need, uh, you know, a, 
<laughs> a World Health Organization telling us what to do. We have a Canadian expert here in Canada that can help us if there's another pandemic and actually other experts, you know, uh, in the beginning of that pandemic, I've read the great Barlington Declaration. Mm-hmm. And I yes. said, you know, that's common sense. We must go there, protect the most vulnerable people and let open the economy. Don't do any lockdowns. And that was the solution. Now we know, and we had the data at that time that that virus was not deadly for 99% of the population. So what they did that was not based on science. So that's why, you know, the World Health Organization, I don't want them to interfere in here in our country in Canada. And I don't think that we must, as a country, sign that new pandemic treaty that they are negotiating right now. Do you think Trudeau will be signing it? And if, you, and if he does, is there any way to reverse out of it? Yes, I believe that he will. Uh, but, you know, Trudeau is worse than the World uh, Health Organization. <laughs> yes, he is. Because right now, you know, if you go on their website, they are not promoting any uh, vaccine passport. And Trudeau still, <laughs> still have the vaccine passport up to yesterday. Now he said today, Monday, June 20 that, uh, you know, no more vaccine passport for Canadians that are not vaccinated. So I'll be able to travel by plane in my my own country. But that was not a request from the World uh, Health Organization. And so, and we were the only uh, country on this planet that had that uh, against uh, uh, our citizens. So that being said, uh, he removed that only temporary. And so that's a big problem that can come back next fall or next uh, next uh, winter. We don't know. So so Trudeau actually he is a, a globalist, and he will follow what the World Health Organization will will tell him or the, the UN. And because you know he likes to have controls, I believe that he will do a little bit more, like he just did for the vaccine passport for Canadian travelers. So. And if he signed that new uh, pandemic treaty that they are negotiating right now, yes, we can always withdraw from that. Uh, look, another example, when Trump was in government, when, when Trump was the president, um, he said, I won't sign the Paris Accord. I'm not, I'm not participating in that. And so it was not, and the U.S. was not as a country. And Biden came back and said, yes, I'm going on, I'm signing that and I will do everything to respect uh, uh, our, uh, the goals that uh, we, uh, we, we signed in for being part of that treaty. So you can always say no, you can always withdraw from an international treaty, um, but uh, Trudeau, Trudeau will, will do everything that the, the UN will tell him to do. Yeah, it seems like he just likes to be the star pupil to uh, Klaus Schwab for his uh, young leaders group. (laughs) Always got to be that one student in class, right? That's just got (laughs) to suck up to teachers. So it seems, you know, and you just uh, finished speaking about, uh, you know, the the regulations uh, being lifted there for June 20th. And, you know, it's it's been a very long time for Canadians to be able to travel to see their family. I know for myself, uh, I, it's been three years since I was able to come back home. You know, I just, because of, because of my green card status here in the United States and because of my Canadian citizenship, 
Uh, I'm fortunately in a gray area that I finally managed to drive across. And we will say that I loosely followed uh, rules because we're uh, public. So that's that's all I'm going to say about that. But <laughs> coming coming back uh, to Canada, you know, I, uh, I, I it was really different. It was really different. Uh, the the sentiment among people. I mean, people were happy, but uh, what I had really seen though was a huge decline in mental health. You know, especially um, seeing my parents. My dad is eighty six. My mom is seventy one, and you know, not being able to see me and the 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 effects of the mental health, the rates of suicide that have gone up, and the the way it's crushed. Uh, people's spirits not being able to connect with their families and to be able to travel you know it's something that the elites love to do and boast about it I know Obama boasted about being able to travel to write his books and how it's wonderful for the mind and here we are having Canadians trapped uh, in their homes you know um, for me like I said I was I was in a fortunate spot but what do do you see this now do you think that it was just because of you know, was it a purely political move? Was it because of the pressure from the airlines, which to me seems kind of interesting because the airlines were all kind of on board with it at first. What do you think that was? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is linked to the, the lockdowns and the vaccine passport, uh, you know, telling people to stay at home and not uh, visiting uh, their friends and family. Here in my own province of Quebec, uh, during Christmas time, the government said, you know, no more than uh, four people for Christmas. And some people followed that and, and they were scared. So now, and I said at that time, you know, uh, su suicide rates will go up and that, that's happening right now, depression and all that. Mm -hmm. It's all because of that, you know, we are human. We, 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 we need to have uh, uh, more um, conversation and communication mm -hmm. our people uh, that's part of the human nature so we are social uh, animals so we need to be together and that was very tough for a lot of people actually you're you're right about it um i i, I know personally some people that had depression uh, people that are uh, people who are working in uh, in um, in marketing, in big corporation, they used to see people and they were alone in their condo. That was very difficult for them and other Canadians. So that had a huge impact on mental health of uh, Canadians for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, as I said, it was just, it's, it's just so weird coming back to Canada in a sense of just knowing that what, what had happened up there uh, from a social perspective and uh, psychological uh, perspective as well because of the results of the lockdowns and the continuation of draconian rules that I mean quite frankly no other country Canada is the only one still that was doing that to there is it's unheard of to not even be able to fly in your own country province to province or you know be able to get on a plane uh, it was just wild and these these restrictions and now even being able to talk about that we might be in trouble now too, Max. Uh, what is going on with C11 up there? And how is that going to affect, you know, content creators? Is it going to turn, is there trying to turn everyone into mini minion CBC, uh, you know, narrative pump pumpers or what's going on with C11? Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, I will. But just before speaking about that, I just want to let you know, maybe your viewers, uh, don't know it, but also I'm suing the federal government because oh, really? I was not 
travel by plane. And, and, you know, it is our constitutional right to be able to travel by plane across this country. And our hearing will be set, will start sec, uh, September 19. And that, that is important because these uh, mandates can come back next, uh, next winter. So we want to have a decision from the court saying that all that was unconstitutional. And if we have that, that would be a great legal precedent. And so the federal government or provincial governments won't be able, won't be able to impose vaccine passport anymore for the future. So yeah, I was saying that for the last two years that it was unconstitutional, but to government, we need to have a court that will say that. So that's why that battle in court, in the court is very important and I'm doing that battle also. If we have a negative decision, if the judge said that, no, no, it was not against the constitution, you can be sure that we'll appeal that decision up to the Supreme Court of Canada because we don't want what happened the last two years happening again, because as we just said, mental health and and, and uh, it was, uh, uh, all that was affecting Canadians, and so uh, mentally and 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 their health, uh, not only mental health, but also you know you are not able to go to a gym and you know to do some sports sometime in, in lives. So yeah. we need a decision. I'm fighting, and I hope that we will win. But that being said, yes, on Bill C11, that's the same. I'm almost the same bill because before the election. The Trudeau government tabled a bill, C-10, and now the new one, uh, it's the bill C-11. They didn't change anything. What I didn't like in that bill, they, they are giving a lot of power to the CRTC. The CRTC is the regulator that is in charge of regulations in the telecom industry. And, and uh, so in the telecom industry and in the radio and television industry also, so they have more power, and but they're saying we won't use it. And yes, they can use it and censor us on social media. Now what they can do now, if you're very popular on social media and you have a lot of followers, they can say, oh, you're a broadcaster like CBC, another one. You must pay a tax. You must register and you'll be under the CRTC and they will and you'll have to uh, <clears throat> to. Uh, be in line with their regulations. So that's wow. a lost systems and that's the beginning of a censorship. So that's why we are against that bill that can be very dangerous if the CRTC is using all the power, the powers that the federal government is giving them to, you know, fight disinformation. Disinformation is when you don't like that narrative, you're, you're saying, oh, it's disinformation. No. Uh, we must be out there to be able to explain another point of view. And that's part of a democracy. You must have a, a lot of point of views. But right now, it's not the case. If you're against the central narrative coming from the government, you are at risk of being censored. And actually, right now, we have censorship coming from Google, coming from Twitter, coming from Facebook. I must tell you, on my Twitter account, I used to grow by 2,000 followers every three days. Now, for the last two months, I'm stuck at 189,000 followers. Didn't grow up, didn't go down. 
So yes, I'm shadow ban on Twitter. We have censorship right now with the big tech and you will mm -hmm. add more censorship coming from the government. No, no, we must end, uh, we must be sure that this bill won't pass, but uh, I don't know what will happen, but you can be sure that uh, we will repeal that bill uh, and we will always explain the situation to Canadians. We want more Canadians to understand that's the beginning of a loss of our freedoms. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And it's dangerous, you know, kind of covering because that other mime to me, you know, with uh, it's like, think while it's still legal. <laughs> it's, uh, it's crazy the power that they'll be given. And to think that, you know, the CRTC won't abuse that power or we won't see more accounts vanishing, being shadow banned. I know myself, it's coming up a year now that no one's been able to tag me on Instagram. My reach and my growth is it's non-existent <laughs> and you know it's been stumped and I've been you know taken off Facebook multiple times but um it, it's just it's just wild to me the the sense of the communism in that sense where it's it's only one way of thinking only one way of speaking and not having uh another voice and you know like they say it's the disinformation is the information they're trying to hide from you and it's very much true in this case um wow that's just that's just mind-blowing to hear that's going on in canada i mean in the united states here like i said I'm, I'm a little bit fortunate yet that uh you know i've still got some leeway but even still you know biden has his own plans uh with with things down here and with censorship and that kind of falls into that whole category as well where it's for extremists, yet they can still label you an extremist, as I was once famously uh, labeled by a um, the Sophie Trudeau's uh, cousin, uh, Amy McPherson, uh, who was a journalist for the Huffington Post, and I was trying to reach out to her to have her as a guest, just like this, as I reached out to to your team to have, and I was called a white white ring uh, white right wing extremists and was she went off on me so it's really interesting um all these gray areas that they're going to get to work with in that respect wow um let's talk about another uh you know hotbed topic here too while we're at it uh, and while we still have a, a voice to be able to do so uh you know the, in the u.s they just finished approving uh the shots for uh, under five-year-olds uh, with, you know, very little data. And as we know, big pharma, lobbyists, politicians, it's a revolving door. Uh, we know that, you know, the, the big pharma has paid out the most in criminal uh, fines. Uh, Moderna is owned by DARPA. DARPA is the R&D arm of the Pentagon. I mean, everything just reeks of, 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 bad, of bad news. And in Canada, you know, I want to know, like, what are your thoughts going forward? Because this is the, one of the other things, too, that I, I kind of gave a little, you know, uh, bite to with uh, Pierre. And he had taken a photo with Bill Gates. And, you know, <laughs> great, great guy or whatever. Da, 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 something I can't remember exactly what was in the caption of the post. But here's my thing, Max. Um, and I know pictures, it, it, they could, it could just be whatever. But I know with, you know, um, traditional uh, political parties, uh, you know, the same bird, both wings, uh, idealism with that. I wanna know what you would do because the thing with Pierre and the thing with, um, you know, conservatives or liberals, and as we know, like Trudeau uh, buying all the doses and Florida actually just said no to those, to those doses. They're not buying anymore. What would you do 
for Canadians in the future to not have uh, big pharma's cure uh, imposed on them. And essentially, you know, I, what I'm looking for is someone who's not going to bend the knee. Because I, I feel like people in other political parties, they're going to be, you know, easily have their arm easily twisted, you know, money talks. Uh, we all famously know the conversation between uh, Donald Trump um, that he had between uh, himself and Bill Gates. And Bill Gates was, you know, proclaiming, oh, yeah, I was going to, uh, Donald Trump told me that he was going to look into it. And I told him, no, 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 that's not a good idea. I'm looking for someone who's not going to bend the knee to big pharma. So what would you do if, you know, down the road, uh, you know, they want to have another mRNA vax for monkeypox or another outbreak or whatever else down the pipe? So we're saying we will say no to that because the most important right now is to give the right information to Canadians and didn't have the right information at the last pandemic. Uh, the other narrative, they were telling us the vaccine is very safe and, and it's very efficient. They were telling us, you know, you need one dose and that would be perfect. One shot and uh, one shot and it would be perfect. After that, two shots. And now they're saying in Canada, we may update your vaccine status every six months. So, you know, that's that, that vaccine, I'm not a doctor, but it's not as efficient to stop the, the transmission of that virus, but it may be efficient if you are older with comorbidities. So we will give the right information for Canadians to have an informed consent that they didn't have uh, during that pandemic. And, and, and you know, we won't promote other treatments like uh, Governor DeSantis is doing. You know, when people had COVID here in Canada, stay at home, and they didn't, didn't treat anything, they didn't do anything. Stay mm -hmm. at home, you have the vaccine, everything will be okay. But you know, it, it was not okay for everybody. So that being said, we won't jump in their, in their train and, and being, the, being there to do everything that the big pharma is telling you what to do. Uh, we, need, we will need to have a real discussion with Canadians about everything about the vaccine and everything about the future. I want them to understand a little bit like DeSantis did in Florida when he had, you know, a, a meeting and, and with a couple of experts and he was asking questions and uh, they had experts that was on videos and were able to see the, the answer from the expert. He was informing his population on different aspects of the, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we must do the same thing and we will. Uh, you know, we must, Canadians, don't know that this vaccine is an experiment uh, on their experiment, experimentation until 2024. So they, they must know that. That's important. Mm -hmm. And yes, here in Canada today, they said that young people, they will promote the vaccine for young people uh, more than six months. So for infants and kids, when we know that they're not in danger and you know, if they catch COVID, that will be okay in 99.99% of the case. So let's them you know, live, live their life without having that vaccine, but they want to promote that to kids. When they're not, their life is not in danger if they have COVID-19. We know that we have two years of data so uh, I'm against that. Yeah, well, that's that's good to hear because, like I said, I want someone that's not gonna to bend, not gonna bend the knee uh, to big pharma, 
And that's going to, you know, I, I mean, fine, if someone wants it, someone wants it, but not to have, you know, your way of life restricted to, um, you know, fear monger and call people names. You know, I was absolutely disgusted uh, hearing Trudeau calling, you know, Canadians misogynists and racists and all this kind of stuff. I was like, what kind of leader does this? You know, a leader is supposed to bring people together. And it was absolutely appalling for me to watch this um, from the United States and, have my see my fellow Canadians go go through that. I mean, it's it's absolutely mind boggling. But that's incredible to hear because, like I said, I <laughs> I know uh, people people kind of got a little mad at me for you know throwing that out there to to Pierre and stuff like that. But like I said, you know, money talks and people can be influenced. So all I want is a leader that's going to actually put their foot down and say, no, this is how it's going to be in that case. And then you know. Um, I may add, Mandy, on, on that, uh, you know, I didn't take the vaccine. So, and <laughs> I, I, so you know, uh, I believe that you must judge politicians by what they're saying, but also by their action. Yes. And uh, look at it, look at Polyev in Canada. Uh, he was promoting the vaccine mm. and promoting the lockdowns and, and all that. He didn't say anything. And now, you know, it's a little bit more popular to speak about freedom and against the vaccine passport. So he's doing that and he's taking all the credibility uh, like like an opportunist politician. But, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, those like those news cycles, they go fast and everyone forgets. But I work on social media for a living and I can tell everyone that I didn't. (laughs) He did not come up on my radar uh, at all until about the same timeline around the, you know, around the August 2021. And then finally to uh, the convoy in in January there. So like I said, um, as as someone that works on social media online all the time and has eyeballs online everywhere, I did not see him speaking out from the beginning like yourself so like I said it's I have my red flags about him and um you know like I said I think every politician should be held to a higher level of scrutiny and that's kind of you know why I'm asking you these questions and you know I wanted I want to know your stance on them because you know if I'm going to vote for someone I want to make sure that Canada is going to be led the right way in a way that again is standing on great policies like the PPC party now, one of the last things I want to talk about here um, before we uh, before we uh, run out of time, we've got a few minutes left, but we talked a lot about mental health and the, the situation of mental health in Canada. Um, you know, myself, uh, I've gone through um, some traumatic events in my life where I've sought out the use of plant medicine, um, psychedelic healing therapy, uh, like ayahuasca, psilocybin, I work with clients where it's legal in their area with psilocybin. Some is old, you know, in their 80s, some in their 50s, some, you know, 28 years old. And I've seen profound effects. And there's great companies. And there's a company in Vancouver um, or British Columbia, rather. I don't believe it's Vancouver. It's in uh, British Columbia, uh, Therapsil. And they're currently trying to work with, you know, the the health minister of Canada to um, help get... Uh, responsible um, care, uh, people that uh, care providers and the psilocybin medicine into their hands that are that are dealing with you know end of life trauma, um, you know cancer these types of things like that. They've per- they've currently only had a few people um, approved, and then they haven't heard back. Like nothing's been renewed uh, from the health minister. Like people are left up in limbo, 
And with the, you know, the decriminalization going on in Toronto, the decrim going on in BC, um, this prevents, uh, this provides rather a wonderful opportunity. Uh, we know that um, it's, you know, it's following the same path as cannabis. We know the incredible benefits of it, um, both for mental health, for our physical ailments, and of course, for the economy. And I'm wondering what your stance is on that with psychedelic therapies, and if um, your party would be uh, willing to look into that, or lead the charge to help expedite that for uh, patients who are in dire need of care, because someone that's terminally ill, unfortunately, waiting six months to hear back from, you know, a health minister isn't going to do them that good. Yeah, so thank you for asking. Uh, I must say that it's a shared jurisdiction with provinces because healthcare is it uh, one? It, it is healthcare, one hundred percent of provincial jurisdiction. But also, like cannabis, like you said, uh, at the federal level, uh, we have a role because uh, you know some of these narcotics are prohibited under the criminal code. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what I believe, I believe that we must do, yes, more testing and we must ask Health Canada uh, to be more uh, vigilant and, you know, they can do testing or they can ask a uh, third party to do more testing and being sure because it is being used right now for some people, um, and, uh, but not widely. So I, I like competition, you know, I like competition of ideas. I like competition in everything. So our body will be open to have more testing and, and you know, being in that phase to look uh, and, and having more studies because we know that these uh, drugs can be efficient and, and can work, but we need to know a little bit more about it. And it's too bad that Health Canada are always promoting what is going from the big pharma and they are very fast to change their regulations when it's coming from big pharma. So they must be more open, they must do more testing, and we must be able, uh, at the end of that process, us Canadians to have a choice uh, if, we, uh, if we are in a condition that we may uh, need these uh, kind of, uh, kinds of drugs. Well, that's really good to hear. That's uh, really promising. And I, I do hope that that uh, will be an option uh, for Canadians one day and hopefully under uh, the PPC party one day. So I want to thank you, Max, so much for your time today and for sitting with me through all these questions and a little bit of light grilling <laughs> and being Thanks. able to uh, to answer and uh, get some more information out there to my community. And oh, one more question, you know, that, speaking of community, one of the most popular questions real quick from my community, they want to know, they're sick of hearing that if they vote for PPC, they'll split the vote, you know, they're all that kind of stuff. Like me, I think if, any, if everyone would just stop saying that and actually just vote how they want to vote, like with PPC, then just do it. But they want to know, like, what can they do? Do you need more volunteers? Like, what, what can they do for you? Yeah, first of all, we must say that there's no such thing as splitting the vote. First, uh, you know, I will tell you why. Uh, you must vote for your values. You must vote for what you believe. If And stop to vote against something. Vote for what you believe and you have more chances to have it. So that being said, when, people, when the conservative, because it's only the conservatives that are saying that because they, they, are, they are afraid of us, they are afraid of the truth and, and, and the real conservative values. When they're saying that, they're taking for granted that 100% 
of our supporters are coming from the Conservative Party of Canada. And so if all of them go back to the Conservative, they will win. So that's not true, actually. And, uh, you know, Léger Léger did a poll and another corporation did it also. I don't know which one, because these uh, pollsters wanted to know who are these crazies that are voting for Bernier. So and they did a couple of questions and polls. And I must agree with their, their conclusion. And they're saying in their polls that a third of our supporters are coming from the Conservative Party of Canada. The other third of our supporters are coming from another political parties, NDP, Liberals, Green, Bloc Québécois and Quebec. Another third of them are like your mom, like you just said, never voted at the federal level and voted for us for the first time. So imagine there's 40% of Canadians that didn't vote at the last election. If we have only half of them, we'll be at 20%. So, so we can grow from, from with these people, but our, the, the majority of our supporters are not coming from the Conservative Party of Canada. And actually, you, you need you need to vote in line with what you believe. And that's why, and I, you know, if you look at us, look at what we said, we are doing politics differently and we are speaking about real issues. There's no taboo subjects for us. And that's why I believe that we can grow from zero to 1.6 to five. And now we have about three years to build the party. That's what I'm doing. I'm traveling across the country. I'll be in Burlington, Ontario, uh, this Saturday, and after that, I'll go to Western Canada, Calgary, and BC. Build a party, being ready. So that that that's, uh, when they're saying, you know, don't vote because you split the vote. Uh, it's just because that's the only argument that they have, and that's a very weak argument because we know that our supporters are not coming all from the Conservative Party of Canada. Wonderfully said, and that makes so much more sense. And that's such a great way to just squash uh, that simple one-liner that everyone uses. So thank you so much for clarifying on that. And that's so great to hear, but I really do think that you guys are gonna have exponential growth and I do look forward to seeing that growth. So again, thank you, Max, so much for your time. And I will see you on social media. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Of and at next time have a nice, nice day sounds great thank you very much thank you for tuning in to another episode of becoming unfuckwithable if you believe you're unfuckwithable go ahead and share this podcast oh